And welcome to episode 23 of the Postcast. My name is Sean Fairholm. I'm here with Cassie Stein. How was uh, Wisconsin, Cass? You know, it was very, very warm. Hmm. It was hot. It was hot. And uh, that wind picked up on the last day, and I think it changed a lot of things for a lot of players, but a lot of fans that were around and um, just everyone in general. But it was, it was a great time. Thank you for asking. Would you have liked the wind to have been, been there for the whole week or not been there at all? I think I, well, yeah, so if, if the wind was going to happen on that Sunday, as it did, I think I wanted it there the whole week. But if it, you know, it wasn't there for the first three days, I wish it would have come, you know, just stayed calm. Um, but I think, I think it made for like a different golf course, obviously. And I think it really showed its teeth on that Sunday. Although, I mean, what did Brooks Kepka and Hideki Matsuyama shoot? 67 and 66, respectively, I believe. Sure. So, yeah. so I believe, um, but, but at the same time, you know, the best players were, re- were rewarded for their good play. So um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think it definitely made it like a U.S. Open championship course on that Sunday. And I, I thought it was great. I thought, the, I thought the finish was phenomenal. Yeah, we saw some of the top players in the world, the top three players in the world, not play well and hit bad shots and get punished earlier in the week when there wasn't any win. So I thought it was a pretty fair, fair test of golf. Uh, if you didn't play well, you went home. So uh, that's, exactly. uh, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, Rory, and Rory had mentioned that earlier in his, pre- in his press conference earlier that week, you know. And unfortunately for him, he, was, he fell victim to it. Yeah, not many players miss the cut and then walk away and while they're walking away, say how much they love the course which is what Rory did. He said how much he loved Aaron Hills. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second, whether Aaron Hills should be a return U.S. Open site. Uh, we're going we're gonna to bring on our insider, Ron Green Jr., in a few minutes to tackle uh, a few of these, these questions we have. But uh, let's start peeling the, the layers of the onion here, Cassie. Did Aaron Hills succeed as a, as a U.S. Open venue? It was a little bit untraditional, not what we're, we're accustomed to seeing with how wide the fairways were. But um, what, what grade would you give it? Did it succeed? See, I think it did. I, I don't think the USGA minds all the low scores mm-hmm. that were shot and the records that were broken or tied. I, I just think they wanted, you know, good golf to be played yeah. and to show off a new course to the fans and, and, and bring it to Wisconsin for the first time ever. I, I thought it succeeded. Um, I'd probably give it like an A minus or something, you know, somewhere in that range. I I thought it was great. It, it wasn't your typical U, U.S. Open venue like you just mentioned, and I think that's okay. I think you can have that in the rotation every, you know, what do they rotate every nine years, every ten years, or something like that. Sure. I think I think that I think that would be phenomenal. I I loved it up there. Yeah, I, and and it was it was just so different. You know, it's a tough course to walk. You know, it's some nine miles to get around it and. In between tee boxes, it's something like two miles for the players to walk. Um, I, it was just so different. I loved it. And I don't think the fans that were watching it on TV understood the actual severity of the slopes everywhere. Mm. I mean, yeah, you could see it on TV, but it's just like Augusta National, too. Like, can you can you actually ever really tell where the slopes are on those greens? And, yeah, we've been watching it for how many years straight. But once you actually see it, I believe I think – then you actually realize, like, whoa, this is a tough golf course. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like looking at a photograph. It's never as good as being in person. And when you go to Augusta right. National and you see the slopes in person, you you understand it in a way that, you know, 
anything they do technology-wise, it can't really show how severe those slopes are and, and how pure the greens are. And uh, same thing with Aaron Hills. I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, the next available date for Aaron Hills to come back would be 2025, so about eight years from now. Um, I, I would bring it back, but I would, I would maybe change a couple of things. Uh, Steve Stricker said, bring the fairways in a little bit tighter and then make the fescue more playable. So if you get into it, it's a little wispier and you have maybe more of a shot and you have a little more of a decision whether you want to take on that shot as opposed to just having to kind of pitch out. And uh, I would kind of agree with him there. I would uh, I would say maybe it's not one of your core rotation courses like an Oakmont or a Marion or a Pinehurst, but it's one of these places that I wouldn't mind us going back to every, you know, I don't know, 15 years maybe, somewhere, somewhere in that realm. Um, you know, I, I think... It was a pretty fair test of golf. And if the wind blows like it did on Sunday, the, the winning score is probably not going to be 16 under. It's probably going to be something like 5 under, which is where we're, we, we've kind of been recently. You know, Oakmont was 4 under. So like the, if the wind blows like it did at uh, on, on Sunday and Aaron Hills hosts again and they don't get the rain and, and the, the soften uh, up the course that, that happened, uh, I think it would be you know much more uh, closer to the U.S. Open scoring conditions we're used to. Yeah, and and I and I and I think you know it was it, Brooks Koepka finished at sixteen under, but like when was the last time we saw that? That was that was with Rory when he actually set the record, which was five years ago. So we've had our typical U.S. Opens in between there, which which I've all enjoy, which I've enjoyed. You know, I don't think anyone's complaining about it, maybe except for Chambers Bay. Mm-hmm. But I but I I, I think it, it was fun. I, I like those low scores every once in a while. I, I didn't mind it. I remember Congressional is a pretty traditional U.S. Open venue. It's hosted several U.S. Opens, and that's where Rory had his, uh, you know, he reached 17 under and uh, had that, that great low score. I think if uh, if you get so much rain, it doesn't really matter how long the course is. These guys are so good. When they could just kind of go and, and shoot, at, shoot at targets and have the ball stay there, um, it's kind of hard to, uh, to have them uh, shoot high scores. You really need wind. Uh, narrow fairways and, uh, and and really fast and firm conditions. If you uh, if you want to have a really tough U.S. Open, if it, if it rains and it's soft, even the best courses in the world are really going to get picked apart. Yeah, but e- but even so, I mean, Thursday through Saturday, it was wide open fairways mm-hmm. and the fescue was high. But when you miss it, you were punished. Oh sure. So, good, goodbye to the top three players in the world, and I think I I actually like the wide open fairways. Like Rory said in his press conference, like if you can't hit those, then you you should be going home. He didn't hit them, and he went home. I re, I like that. I I didn't mind that. Yeah, a few other players didn't play well either. John Rahm, who we all kind of wanted to uh, see succeed there at Aaron Hills, really struggled. Showed a lot of emotion, some some bad temper, on, especially in his first round. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you didn't play well, you went home. That's kind of the way it should be, whether the score is uh, 25 under or 25 over, right? I mean, if you hit bad golf shots, you should get penalized, and you did. You definitely got penalized, and uh, it's hard to argue. I, I really want to go up there and play Aaron Hills now. <laughs> that, that's, that, was, that was my main takeaway from, from watching the U.S. Open. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but J.J. Watt plays for the <laughs> Texans. He played yesterday, and... Uh, yeah, his score was a little high. Yeah, one seventeen, I think. Maybe yeah, uh, yeah. something like that. There were a few a few tens in there. 18, <laughs> yeah, eight, 18 strokes lower than uh, Brooks Kepka's uh, 
36 hole total on the weekend, I believe. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you can tell the amateur, uh, you know, the normal golfer uh, would struggle up there a bit, I believe. <laughs> oh, I, I totally understand that. That makes a lot of sense. But we're going to we're going to bring on uh, Ron Green Jr. and ask him a, a few of these these burning questions and get his take on things. And now we're going to welcome on PGA Tour insider Ron Green Jr. Ron, let's start with your overall thoughts on the U.S. Open. How was it up there at Aaron Hills? Obviously, I saw you there, but uh, I want to get your overall thoughts. I liked it up there. Uh, I think <clears throat> it was a really interesting place to go and play and see and sort of be around. I think if they do it again, and I think there's a pretty good chance they will, they would probably narrow the fairways a little bit. And I don't, if there was a, I don't know, a, a negative in the plus minus categories, that's probably the scoring. I think it was a little lower than they wanted, but uh, they went up there knowing that as wide as the fairways were, if they got certain weather, uh, the weather they got, in fact, it, scores could be pretty low. I know some of the USGA officials probably before the tournament thought that, that it could get under par double digits pretty well. And, uh, you know, they, <clears throat> it was magic. It would rain at night and soften up the golf course <laughs> in the daytime. You could go out and play. And then Sunday we got a little bit more wind, but, uh, you know, Brooks Captain Hideki Matsuyama showed us, uh, you could shoot scores even in the wind up there. Ron, Cassie and I were just kind of talking about Aaron Hills and the overall scheme of things, uh, should it be in the core rotation of U.S. Open courses like an Oakmont or a Marion or a Pinehurst? Did it succeed enough this week to, to warrant kind of getting into that category? Um, well, since they, <clears throat> excuse me, since they have about 10 courses already lined up uh, for the next decade, I don't know that it's in, in the cabinet core. I don't know that it would ever be part of that. I think it's the kind of place they would maybe <clears throat> consider sort of branching out to once in a while. I think we sort of know, as you mentioned, Shinnecock, Pinehurst, Pebble Beach, Oakmont, maybe Wingfoot, those are some of the places they're going to go to year after year, I think. <clears throat> and they're classic, more classically U.S. Open courses. I think people, uh, particularly whatever it was, two years ago at Chambers Bay, uh, three years ago, and now this, this two times in the last three years the USGA has played it, new, modern, different kind of golf courses. And uh, traditionalists, I think, like the U.S. Open being played at places they know and they can sort of rely on the scores. I it's strange. Uh, people love seeing the U.S. Open winning score be around par, just a few under. And I think when you get to the numbers, Kepka and Matsuyama and some of them got to this week, I think it, it bothered some people. Um, but I think they <clears throat> they would like to have a place in the Midwest they can go to. It had good support. Uh, you know, as, as Cassie knows, it's sort of out in the middle of not much out there. But it's just this big, sprawling property where they could put a lot of uh, hospitality and do things like that. So I would my expectation is they will go back. How often they will go back, uh, probably not on a regular basis, but I think they would like to give it another try down the road sometime. Ron, you tweeted late in the final round. If anyone follows Ron on Twitter, you know he's always um, very active when he's at tournaments or even when he's at home in North Carolina. But it, you tweeted that it was close in the final round, but maybe it wasn't all that entertaining. Did that have more to do with the scoring conditions or who was at the top of the leaderboard? Um. I think it was a little a combination of both. I think uh, just maybe a hair flat, I guess, is the word I was looking for. Uh, you lose eight of the top 12 players before Saturday morning. I mean, that took a little bit of the spark out of the, the golf tournament. And then, you know, I mean, I think what Brooks Kepka did, I mean, he showed us what we thought he was capable of. And, and I think he's a popular winner and obviously a deserving winner there. But I, 
you know, tournaments just sometimes they they crackle and sometimes they don't. And I don't know that this one was, you know, when you had for all the complaints about Chambers Bay, when you had Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth going at each other down the stretch and making those birdies, I think it was, you know, it gave you something you remembered. I mean, nothing may may rival what we got with Tiger and Rocco those whatever nine years ago or whatever at Torrey Pines, but. I mean, this one, I just think, I think the cast of characters maybe had something to do with it, although Ricky Fowler is about as popular as they get. Justin Thomas, what he did on Saturday. But for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it quite had all the sizzle it might have. If you have a great finish at a venue where people don't really like that much, uh, like Chambers Bay, where you had Jordan and Dustin kind of down the stretch, and Brandon Grace is also involved there, or you have a major where it's on a great venue and people love it and the, the finish is kind of dull. Um, what is the line of, uh, you know, what is the better option to have? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think you kind of, if you're sitting there on Sunday afternoon or if you've been tracking it through the week, I think you you want the good finish. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there were some people who were not very happy at all about taking the U.S. Open to Torrey Pines when they did because they didn't like the finishing hole out there, which is sort of a pretty plain par five with a obviously a man-made pond dug right in the front of that green there, and there's a whole line of office buildings to the right side not sort of the classic finishing image you might get if you go to oakmont or somewhere else but yet it gave us tiger rolling that putt in and it's probably the, the image you get as much as anything so you know i think uh <clears throat> you go to pinehurst and you get a great golf course with a fantastic setup three years ago or whenever it was and martin keimer wins by eight i mean you got all the pieces in place for I would argue maybe the best U.S. Open was there at 99, but then you go back and you get Martin Keimer, who's a terrific player, but just sort of vanquishes the field, and you're sort of out there on Sunday just wandering around waiting for it to end because you know how the, <laughs> the winner is. I don't know. I, I think people like close more than anything. Let's talk about our uh, 2017 U.S. Open champion for a bit, Brooks Kepka. If you had to handicap the likelihood of Brooks winning another major versus any of the other six first-time major winners that came before him in this, you know, string of majors, where would you put his chances? Well, I'd have to sit here and sort through all the guys. <laughs> I, I would immediately start. I, I like Dustin Johnson's chances mm-hmm. of winning another major championship. That's probably who I would go to first. I think Sergio might very well win another major championship. Um yeah, I, I like Kepka's chances because he seems to have, if his heart, if his heartbeat gets up and going and racing under those situations, he does a great job of hiding it. Because I mean, he looks like he's the same guy just sort of sauntering down there. Uh, yeah, I think his experience by going and playing all the places on the Challenge Tour in Europe and all the things he's done. I mean, he's he's really sort of. Uh, there's a lot of texture now to where he's played in the situations he's played in. So I think when he gets to that biggest stage, I don't think he's terribly bothered by it. I think some guys get nervous. I think you know, it was a great learning experience for Justin Thomas coming off the 63, which was going to be impossible to follow, but it, it got away from him early Sunday. And I think, I think he gets running so fast and, and emotion, such a big part of what he does. I think uh, Kepka is just the other way. And, yeah, I think he can win some more. I think he's so powerful. When you can hit the ball as far as he does, um, strength and length is always an advantage in golf. And Brooks was only 51st in putting. He wasn't exactly lighting it up on the greens, but because he was uh, hitting you know, 86% of his greens and 88% of his fairways, he uh, didn't have to do a, a ton uh, on, on, the, on the greens. But when he did, he made that par putt on number 13, and it really came through for him. 
does power, no matter where it is, kind of have an advantage? It seems like a lot of times we go to courses that are narrow and we say that guys who are powerful uh, maybe need to rein it in a little bit and that's a disadvantage. Or does, does power unanimously have an advantage no matter what the course? I think power is always an advantage. Now, if you go to Colonial or if you go to Harbortown, I think that power advantage is, I don't want to say equalized, but minimized. But when you're playing like this U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, granted, this enormous golf course, but Brian Harmon's spotting Brooks Kepka 40 yards every tee shot. I mean, mm-hmm. sooner or later, that catches up. I mean, I just think, you know, unless he starts just batting it all over the property, and uh, he never did that. But I, I think you just look at the guys who are sort of at the top of the game, whether it's Rory, whether it's Dustin Johnson, whether it's uh, Jason Day, and how big a what big hitters they are. I mean, Jordan Spieth is not the longest guy out there, but I mean, he can move it pretty good, but Kepka, I mean, and Matsuyama, I mean, they all have the advantage of power. And I just think it's a, uh, that, that advantage is never going to disappear. Ron, before we let you go, we wanted to ask you about Rory. Um, he, he took a month off after the players championship because of his rib injury. He didn't play well at Aaron Hills. And then he gets into a little feud on Twitter with Steve Elkington. Um, does that show a lack of maturity, even though he's been around the tour for 10 years now? Or what, what's going on with Roy? Can you explain that to us? Um, I think Roy would like a little explanation of why he didn't play better there. I think he tempted fate when he made those comments about why and cutting that rough back there on Tuesday afternoon. Because I figured he was as good a pick as any there because he's such a good driver of the ball. And um fresh and all that and it just didn't happen i mean he really drove it sideways i i think that one thing i would take away from there is uh and whoever it was i guess jason day was playing with him uh the first two days and you know rory birdied four of his last six holes and could have made six straight birdies to close he was already out of the cut line there but uh found what he had been looking for and then so i would not be surprised at all if i'm surprised he's playing travelers this week but I'm not surprised, would not be surprised if he plays very well. I, I, maybe I'm too bullish on him. I keep waiting for the big moment to come, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see one of those little runs by Rory very soon, and maybe it starts really fast. As for the Twitter thing, if he'd have played as well as he tweeted in response to Steve <laughs> Elkington, he, he may have been right there with Brooks Kepka this weekend. <laughs> I think that just, I just think that just, you know, Elkington went somewhere that, uh, I mean, good for Rory for standing up, saying, wait a minute, you know, say what you want. I mean, Elkington's one of those who loves to lob grenades, I think. <laughs> it's easy to lob grenades when you're not playing and you're, uh, you've already passed your prime. It's a little bit easier to do it from that, from that side. Uh, yeah. Rory and, and Jason Day, they're, as you mentioned, they're, they're both teeing it up, uh, as well as Jordan Spieth uh, this week at the Travelers Championship. Odds, they uh, kind of bounce back quickly collectively uh, this this top group scr- struggled so much at the at the u.s open i expect they'll both be playing on the weekend now i think that's uh you know maybe it just takes something getting their attention i but i've said it more than once this year it has felt like sort of uh neither one of them's ever gotten really going i mean jason day had a chance to win i guess byron nelson but uh it, it feels like very sort of incomplete un unsettled seasons for both of them and now we're there's still plenty of time to take this year and turn it into something really big and but they got to get going and I don't know it'd be interesting to see if if it's sort of like a wake up call if that was a slap in the face for them last week that really gets them going. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure as always. Enjoyed it, guys. Thanks very much for having me.
And thank you to Ron Green Jr. for that tremendous insight. Let's run through the schedule before getting into bingo, bango, bongo. This week, the PGA Tour, as previously mentioned, is at the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. They have a great field there. Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Bubba Watson, uh, Justin Thomas will be there. Really a, a really solid field out there in Connecticut. Probably the best they've ever had in their history. So uh, worth watching this week. The LPGA is in Arkansas for the Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship. Stacey Lewis, a Razorback, always gets pretty strong backing there. So maybe she could end her long uh, winless drought in Arkansas. The European Tour is in Germany for the BMW International Open in Munich. And if you have to have an event in Germany, it has to be sponsored by BMW, obviously. You can't have any other sponsor for that event. It has to be BMW. <laughs> and the Web.com Tour is in Illinois for the Lincoln Land Charity Championship. Aaron Wise secured his PGA Tour card with a win last year. So, uh, well, last week, excuse me. So, uh, very good for him. He's gone from the McKenzie Tour to the Web.com Tour and now to the PGA Tour. Sounds like a great week for all the tours. So, yeah. let's get it rolling again this week. Absolutely. So, last week of the U.S. Open, um, we we had some trouble here. We had a little bit of a, <laughs> a little no, bit of failure to launch. Had trouble. <laughs> we're all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had Ricky Fowler, and uh, it looked good for the longest time, didn't it? Uh, he he shot that sixty-five on Thursday. Uh, maybe Friday was the day that he's going to look back on and and say that he wanted uh, a little bit more out of out of Friday, seventy-three on Friday. But uh, as we saw with Justin Thomas and his sixty-three, so tough to follow up a really good round of golf with a, a solid round of golf. So uh, Ricky Fowler finishes uh, tied for fifth at the U.S. Open. Very good for him. I know he wants his, his win at this point um, and not a whole lot of moral victory coming out of finishing tied for, for fifth, but uh, still a good tournament for him. I had Thomas Peters as my sleeper. He missed the cut, did not play well. And I had Henrik Stenson to miss the cut, and he did miss the cut, did not, did not play well. Uh, like many of the top players, as Ron mentioned, eight of the top 12 players in the world missing the cut. Yeah, I had uh, Jason Day um, to win. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go as planned. Nope. He missed the cut. I had Kevin Chappell um, as my surprise player, which I didn't do too bad there. Uh, he finished T23, and, and then I also picked Ricky to miss the cut. But like you mentioned, he was T5. Um so yeah, just not a good week. I'm just gonna stop picking players. I, I, think. I totally forgot that you picked Ricky Fowler to miss the cut, and we were like, we were like, up, up, up against each other there. Normally, I mean, for all of our loyal listeners, I'm normally on the big Tommy Fleetwood train. <laughs> and what do I do this week? I don't pick him at all, and I was very upset with myself because he finished what solo fourth, I believe. So. Um, yeah, just not a good week again for Cass. Is it, is it true you're the president of the Tommy Fleetwood fan club? Yeah, president and CEO. Actually. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Between, between Tommy Fleetwood and Justin Thomas, I uh, split my time between the two fan clubs. He he sounds like Ringo from the from the Beatles. I don't know if <laughs> <laughs> That's a good that's a good call. <laughs> he, he's he's like a rock star, man. I kind of like Tommy Fleetwood. I I could see why you're high on him, especially how well he's played this year. Exactly, exactly. But anyways, it's a new week, so let's see if we can try and pick a winner this week. Who who you got winning the Travelers? I'm going to go with Mark Leishman. He won at Bay Hill earlier in the year, uh, played fairly well at the uh, at the 
U.S. Open. Um, he's played pretty well the Travelers during his uh, during his uh, career. He won the one in 2012. Uh, was T nine last year. So uh, two two top 15s in his last four four starts at the Travelers. So uh, you know, I think he's just a really solid player. If you watch him on the range, it's like laser beams with uh, with how how uh, well he strikes the ball. Does not really move it one way or the other. Just kind of straight down the line, kind of like Henrik Stenson. So I uh, have to like Mark Leishman uh, on a lot of weeks, and uh, I'm going to go with him this week. Gotcha. I'm going to go with uh, Keegan Bradley. Nice. Um, he's kind of back home back home in his um, element up in the northeast. You know, he's he's from Woodstock, Vermont. This is in Cromwell, Connecticut. So he's I hope hopefully he's some good vibes up there. But um, he was T60 last week at the U.S. Open. You know, he played with Jordan Spieth once on the weekend. And um, I think his game is rounding into form, hopefully. Um, I know he missed, uh, missed the cut in his last three events prior to the U.S. Open. But I think he showed a lot of grit over the weekend and um, just hung in there and you know, played his game, and um, let's see what he can do this week back up in the Northeast. Yeah, by the way, he won this week at the CVS Charity Classic, the uh, event in Rhode Island that Billy Andrade and Brad Faxon have on, uh, partnered with Brooke Henderson and won that event. So he must be playing well, so I don't, I don't see why there is any, uh, any reason not to pick him there. I, I like Keegan this week very much. I'm going to go or, with... Or, uh, is it, or is it because Brooks, or, uh, Brooke Henderson... One last week, maybe you know? yeah, maybe a little bit of both there. <laughs> no offense to Keegan, but <laughs> she's just on a roll right now. Yeah, Brooke Henderson's very very talented. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Brendan Steele as my sleeper pick for the Travelers. He t uh, 13 at the U.S. Open, and uh, if if you kind of look at his stats, it makes a lot of sense that he should play well a lot because he's just a really good overall player all around kind of stats um he's five for six at the travelers and making cuts and and likes the venues t5 in 2014 i think uh brendan Steele's a good guy to take a flyer on this week who do you like as your sleeper um i'm gonna go with uh, speaking of canadians adam hadwin Ooh, all right yeah he he had obviously he had a win earlier this year at the valspar championship um uh, our Canadian edition this week, Robert Thompson wrote about him, and it was it was a great piece just on on you know his last couple of months and how he's really, you know, just produced in his golf game and has played very very well. I think he's won over two million dollars already this season, and um, from his stretch from January to March, when he was playing very very well, he had four top ten finishes. He beat you know Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy. He beat all those top players. So I, I think he's just um, you know, he's really coming into his own. I, he was mentioned a lot on the telecast um, the first couple of days at the U.S. Open, so I think people are really going to start keeping an eye on him. And um, he was playing very well at the moment, and um, I, I think it's just going to continue to roll for him. Yeah, he had six straight birdies at one point early on in the U.S. Yeah, Open. Yeah, yes, very, very yeah. strong player. And uh, expect him on the President's Cup team. I know he was 11th in the standings heading into the week. And uh, the ninth and 10th ranked players missed the cut. And I think he uh, had a chance to move up a little bit with making the cut at the U.S. Open. So uh, expect him to be uh, a part of that team that goes to New York at the uh, the end of the year. I think uh, I think that's a very good pick. He's, he's been very solid all year long. Uh, who, do you, who do you like to not play well this week? So I'm going to go with Jim Furyk. 
Mm. And people are going to probably say, like, I'm crazy. He shot that 58 last year at TPC River Highlands. Um, he even finished T23 last week at the U.S. Open. Mm. You know, he's a past champion. He knows how to play U.S. Open venues. But he, which I don't know if you know this. I don't know if a lot of people know this. He's missed his last six cuts mm. prior to the U.S. Open week. Did not know that. He went six, he went six straight weeks without playing the weekend. Mm. Like that's a, that's a lot. I mean, that's golf, but that that's a long time to not be playing. You know, seventy-two holes on a week-to-week basis. You know, so I I just don't. I mean, he yeah, he played decent last week. Like I said, he was t twenty-three, and he knows how to play those U.S. Open venues. But I I just I don't know. There's just something a gut feeling inside me that he's just not going to play well again this week. Yeah, no, I totally understand. He's getting older too. I mean, we 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 yeah. say that you can play at you know at a, at a high level at a, at a you know an age like Steve Stricker played last week he was you know playing pretty pretty good golf but uh yeah you know he's getting a little bit older and uh I, I definitely think his responsibilities as the Ryder Cup captain have maybe taken away a little bit of his focus for yeah uh, I was gonna mention that too yeah I think I just think he's just you know he's just slowing down you know I mean there, there, there's nothing wrong with that he's had a great career but um yeah, so I'm going to go with Jim Pierce this week as my player to miss the cut. But uh, who who are you going with? Um, so I don't particularly like really any of the top guys this week. Um, I, I think they make the cut though for uh, for for the most part. I think Rory, Jordan, Jason all make the cut, but aren't really much of a factor. Maybe a couple of them get a backdoor top ten. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas to miss the cut though. Um, this place really, in theory, sets up really well for him, and he's played well. He was T3 here last year. I just think the U.S. Open, you know, after having shot that 63 on Saturday, you have such a, a buildup of, okay, you know, I'm in the final group of the U.S. Open, and that has to be a little bit crushing for, for him to get in that position and then shoot 75, not play well at all. I know it's so tough to back up a great round, like a 63, with a good round, but... Um, you know, I think it was a little bit disappointing for him and, uh, I think kind of just getting the energy level back this week might be a little bit tough for him. So I'm going to think I'm going to miss the cut. No, I, I, I can see that. I can see he, I, I feel like he is more of a player that goes off of, um, you know, his attitude and how, how he's just playing at that moment. And if, if he didn't finish well, he's not going to play well, mm-hmm. you know, the following week. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, excited for the travelers week. Cause there's a lot of good players in that field. So Let's see how that works out. But uh, that's all the time we have left on the postcast uh, today. Please follow us on our social media feeds, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Global Golf Post and you'll be able to find us. Also, if you have any topics you'd like for us to discuss, tweet at us or leave a comment on Facebook. We'll talk about them. But until next time, for Sean and I, hit them straight. See you later. <laughs>